Welcome to the Power Up Show. You're with Mira and Paul. And as always, we're asking the question, how can we take your business to the next level? Now, Paul, before we go through the agenda for today, I believe we owe our listeners a huge apology for last week. We do. That's right. Yes. So uh, last week's uh, show was a recorded show and uh, the sound quality wasn't uh, wasn't that great. There was lots of buzzing and cracking yeah. in there as well. So uh, apologies for that. That's right. But do rest assured that we were at high-level business coaching and training from some of the top international business owners and directors. So we'll be giving you that information once the two of us process this information. Mm. We'll be passing it on to the community and you'll be able to implement that into your business. Yeah, two, two fantastic days with two very tiring days. <laughs> I think uh, as well, I think I woke up on uh, on Tuesday morning thinking it was Friday. That was kind of like how day yeah. one went and, uh, and day two was just as intense as well. But, That's uh, right. Really so we're still processing. Time. That's right. <laughs> so Paul, what is on the agenda for today? Because we're a little bit jam-packed, aren't we? We are, we are jam-packed. Uh, so uh, today... Um, and we've got uh, three main things really on our agenda for today. First of all, we'll be talking to uh, Dr. Teresa Teo, who comes from uh, Alpha IMM, and she's going to be talking about um, an event that she's got coming up very soon um, in relation to uh, International Women's Day. It is International Women's Day um, this week. Uh, we'll then be talking to um, to Chris Slack um, and talk about all things business finance. Uh, we'll have Beautiful. Chris with us for uh, quite a bit of the show um, as we go through. And then before we end, we'll have Julian Andin from Pick and Mix and uh, talking about what's coming up on their show today. Outstanding. So exciting. Fantastic. You're listening to uh, Power Up with me and Paul on Alive 90.5. And you're back with me and Paul on the Power Up show. And Paul, we have a very special guest today, uh, very briefly in the studio, but in celebration of Women's Week. That's right. Indeed, indeed. We have uh, Dr. Trio, Theresa, uh, Theresa <laughs> Tio with us uh, today. Welcome, Teresa. Welcome to, to our show. Great to Thank have you, you today. Thank you, Mia. Thank you, Paul. Now, it's very exciting having you on the show because it is International Women's Week and it is a week that needs to be celebrated. And you are doing something for our community, Western Sydney, and that yes. is really providing an opportunity for women to pitch their ideas and get their business started. That's right. Now, from your point of view, what is holding women entrepreneurs back into in today's day? I mean, we're in 2019. There's no reason why we should be dare I say, a chain to the kitchen, you know, ironing and looking after kids all the time. So what is it that stops us? I suppose a lot of women, when they, before they think about business, they are thinking more than what they're about themselves, their kids and their personal goals. And even if I'm going to get married, um, how I'm going to support my family. And if I want to do a business, there's lot much, so much more commitment. And that's why we feel that uh, this is a very important thing to help women in terms of achieving their entrepreneurial dream. So you think that women are still putting the needs of the family first? Um, to some extent, yes and no. Okay, I would say that if I have a very strong career-minded person, all right, I would say that what resources do I have? All right, and also right now I observe that in the business community, a lot of men around. Some people are a bit afraid of taking a step out. All right. And they say, okay, are you sure I can do it? But they need a little bit of push, a bit of a stepping out of comfort zone. And I believe that you have more women entrepreneurs encouraging each other. That would help them to step up and achieve what they want to do. So what you're suggesting is that as a, a woman, we need a network of like-minded females to help and support That's us. That's right. Would that be because we all face the same challenges in terms of the home life? Okay, I wouldn't say you just network among just women entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Okay, I would say that uh, women need to support each other, but we also want other business community um, that will support them in this entrepreneurial journey. All right, and not because they can't do it, but I think they really need the support, the mindset to think that they can do it. You know, because depending on your background, maybe from young, if it's a depending on what kind of culture you come from, some may think that you can't do it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of time it's actually a mental block. So I want to encourage all women to take a step back and don't be hauled back by situation. It could be family, it could be finances, yeah. And, and Teresa, what I'm right in saying as well, one of the things I've come across in the past in the corporate career as well, it's important that you have uh, males that are supportive as well. So you almost lead uh, collaboration with males that are almost, uh, you, you talked a little bit about um, males stepping up and, uh, and having those male support champions. Would you see that as something that's important? I would say for women to step out of their home, if let's say they're married, okay, the male support is very important. Mm -hmm. All right, And of course, family is actually a dual thing, all right? husband and wife supporting one another. And if it's not, then the women will shoulder everything, which I see quite common mm -hmm. in a lot of families. But then women being uh, sometimes they're very strong will, they will still manage to cope with lots of uh, roles and responsibility. And we call women multitask, and sometimes <laughs> they really are 
I can have seen many cases where women can take care of the kids and talk on the phone and still do business, do online, whatever. And that's amazing, okay? I really find that it's amazing. So Myself what do and me are often talking about multitasking, yeah. don't we? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we do, and I'm probably the exception to the rule because I'm hopeless in multitasking. <laughs> and don't forget, they have to send kids to school and to and fro too. <laughs> yeah, look, we're, we're just happy my kids had screwed on straighter. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be late more often than early. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the barriers to entry that are stop women are stopping women from entering the market? Now, you did mention a little bit that mindset is perhaps one, that cultural background is perhaps another reason. What other barriers to to market are there? Mm, I would say that if other barriers are maybe finances, mm-hmm. all right, especially now the rising cost of living in Sydney, um, I would, that really causing you need to have two incomes. So sometimes because of that and with the children, childcare, all these are stopping people from coming to do business. All right, and also business contact and networking. They may not, they may have the idea, but they don't have the right uh, network around to support mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're offering them, isn't it? That That's what you've put together in conjunction with the New South Wales federal government is an environment in which they are going to get that support and that mentorship. Okay, what happened in this program we're doing is Inspiring Business Growth Program. We're going to expedite women entrepreneurs in their expansion uh, plan. All right, so we're identifying 10 women entrepreneurs and then groom them, sorry, build them, equip them and empower them with their business skills and giving them mentors to help them in this journey. It's so important having mentors because regardless of where you are on your journey, whether you've been in business for, you know, 10 years or whether you've been in business for one month, having a mentor, somebody who's walked the road before you, who's made those mistakes. And Paul, you and I say this on a regular basis. You want to surround yourself with people who have made these mistakes, who have learned from the mistakes and who are going to put a big stop sign in front of you and go, stop. I know where this is leading and it's not leading yes. in the right direction. That's right. So tell us a little about, about this program. How do how do women entrepreneurs, and it's very much the Western part of Sydney, so it's very much our audience and demographic, how do they sign up and have this opportunity to pitch to a group of mentors uh, their business idea so that they can get that help that they need? Okay, what they need to do is just to go to our website, alphaimm.events.com to register the event and on the competition itself. So in this case, we have two rounds of competition. The first round is an elevator pitch, and as they register, they'll go through first round and they'll be shortlisted to be into finals. And it's very simple. And then before every uh, competition, we will actually have trainers to train you um, how to do public speaking and do the right elevator pitch and even personal styling and even how to write a plan. Beautiful. So they go in and they register. The event, what date is the event? The first event is actually on the 29th of March, which is the elevator pitch day. Uh, We have a training before from 9 to 5, and then the social networking and collaboration night is 5 to 7. One thing I'd like to highlight is that this event itself is not just for the contestant. We also have the business community coming together to bring, to give business or referrals to this women entrepreneur. And that's how this whole business community work together to help the women. Beautiful. And on the evening, we'll be there emceeing because we are great supporters of entrepreneurs. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mia and Paul. (laughs) I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, So, yes, Live 90.5 is one of the media sponsors for the event. And we're very excited because there's nothing better than seeing entrepreneurship grow within our area. But more importantly, giving women specifically in this International Women's Week that opportunity to be heard in an environment where they feel safe and confident to do that. And they know they've got the support. So thank you so much much for having that opportunity we'll pop those details up on our website too uh, the registration form we'll pop it up on our facebook page um, and we're looking forward to seeing you on the evening thank you Beautiful. thank you Teresa. thank, thank you. you very much for coming today you're listening to a live 90.5 we've met and paul and we are back and uh, today we have another special guest in the studio chris slack Paul, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about Chris? I certainly will. Thank you, Mia. Yes, so today we have uh, Chris Slack uh, join us. Uh, Chris joins us from the uh, the finance consultancy and uh, is going to talk to us about uh, all things uh, business finance. Chris has a, uh, if you don't want me saying, Chris, a, a long uh, list of uh, experience in, in financial services. Um, I think that uh, it's fair to say, Chris, you've been in financial services um, for close to 20 years now, or was it a little bit about? No, thanks, Paul, and, and thanks. Thanks, Mia, as well, for having me. Yes, 20 years. Uh, 
some people get jail for less. <laughs> so, uh, no, uh, look, it's it's been fantastic to to be exposed at such an early age, and uh, I really. I'm very fortunate now to work for myself and and be able to give businesses uh, advice through their through their team. So I, I'm a firm believer of working with the team behind a small business, whether it be other brokers, accountants, financial planners. I, I think that every small business owner uh, really needs to be fortunate enough to have that team around them. And and it may not be just in that professional advice area, but just supporters and and people that work with them and look from from what I've seen uh, of yourselves you guys are fantastic supporters of small business as well so thanks again for having me on no no welcome very welcome Chris and look uh, I certainly totally agree I think it's about having a team of people around I think one of the things that we often say is one size doesn't fit all there isn't necessarily one golden person from Brotherwood Solutions and and myself and Chris were talking uh, off air when uh, when Mia was off uh, frantically getting the different bits of the show ready (laughs) earlier on I'm just leaving Mia to do all the work as always (laughs) (laughs) and uh, we were talking about that very subject about uh, people that have certain areas of expertise and how important it is to have that right group of people around you um, that can offer the, the right solutions at the right time. So, um, no, welcome, Chris. Great to have you with us. Yeah, now for our regular listeners, you might note that Paul is trying to get out of our wonderful starter game called Smart Donkey. Damn, she's picked up. <laughs> Paul, you're doing well. You are behind only one point to our guests. Yes, so and that was only having... because the show probably was too crackly to actually listen to. I, for everybody's benefit, who um, didn't bear with the crackling show of last week, I actually did win last week. Mm, in, uh... Maybe it doesn't count. Okay, so it's 2-0 to our guests. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Paul, what we, I mean, Paul, listen to me, because we, we like to play a little game with our guests just so that you are nice and relaxed, and uh, when we come back after the break, then you are ready to jump in and you're feeling relaxed, relaxed and more in your space. So are you ready for it? I'm ready. Let's okay, do it. Okay, so your buzzer is your name uh chris and sir paul oh sir paul thank you very much okay are we ready gentlemen yes ready i'm a u.s state i was bought from spain i border the atlantic ocean i am a popular spot for retirees chris yes uh florida yes exactly what i am no one knows nevertheless the world is ordered around me devices of all types keep track of me Sam sung of me in Casablanca. Cindy Lauper also sang of me. Sir Paul. Ah. Sir Paul, yes. North Pole? No. Chris? Yes. Time? Yes. Beautiful. Oh. That's 2-0, Paul. You're on a winning streak here. <laughs> I'm doing well again. I'm a famous pop singer. Mississippi is my home state. My middle name is Randall. I did not know that. I starred in the movie. I starred in the movie Alpha Dog. You may know me from my days as a musketeer. Musketeer. I was once a part of Louis Pullman's boy band Factory. My current album contains six number one hit singles. I contributed to the Super Bowl's Nipplegate scale. Chris? Yes. Justin Timberlake? Yes, beautiful. All right. Uh, I think, can I give up now? No. <laughs> <laughs> you can, but then where's I've, the fun for Chris and I? I've, yeah, I've had enough <laughs> suffering now on this. <laughs> All right, two more questions. And how's this geography? All right, I'll give you a geography one. <laughs> ah. Well, hang right. on, we did talk about Florida. Yeah, well, yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, here's the last one. I'd say uh, winner takes all, but that's not going to happen. No, but there's two, happen, no, so let's no. give it a go. Okay. Uh, James Naismith invented which... Chris, basketball. Yes. Oh, it's my favourite sport. <laughs> <laughs> that was too easy. We won't go on to my favourite sport. Yes. <laughs> In the book, The Joy Luck Club, which game did Chris? the main characters... Uh, I'm, I confess I really love Mahjong. Yes, correct. So what is that? 5-0. I think I've been whitewashed. <laughs> it's the ashes all over again. <laughs> Paul... Next week's another week. <laughs> More questions on cricket. Uh, <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, you'd definitely take me hands down. <laughs> and every other Australian. We're terrible at cricket right now. <laughs> okay, you're listening to the Power Up Show with Mia and Paul taking it with us to the next level on the live 90.5. When we come back, we'll be talking uh, a lot more with our guest today, Chris Slack. So today we're going to be talking to Chris Slack and everything finance and, you know, just have to put all the cards on the table here. This is not my strength. I knew straight away when I got into business I was not going to get involved in finance and I made the decision (laughs) to outsource my finance responsibilities, rightly or wrongly. And I do feel, Paul, that it's something that business should actually wrap their mind around. It is Mm. something that entrepreneurs should have a little bit of knowledge because I do think looking back I may have gotten nothing financially wrong in terms of the ATO or anything like that but I feel like maybe the advice I got wasn't the correct advice for growing my business because guess what I didn't know any better Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I think that's a key point, actually. Sometimes um, outsourcing something you really know nothing about can be dangerous. I think you need to have a flavour about what's uh, what's happening. So, uh, But Chris is going to share a lot of his knowledge with mm. us uh, this, this afternoon. So, uh, Chris, welcome again. And uh, and just to, can you explain a little bit about, um, you yeah, know, a little bit broadly in terms of uh, the kind of work you do and, uh, and how that uh, helps uh, SMEs? Sure. So the first thing uh, to focus on is that I, I source finance for for SME clients. I don't focus on uh, mortgages. I, I don't look at consumers. Uh, and uh, business finance is a really particular area. It's an area that needs focus on. Um, Can you give us an indication when you say that you're sourcing finance, what typically would I be coming to you and asking you for finance around? Well, I, I suppose that's a really good point, Mia. I think that when people have a specific idea about what they think they want with finance, a lot of the time the better way to approach things is, look, most businesses have different problems for whatever that is. And mm. I think it's more important to say, hey, look, I've got this particular problem rather than thinking that a particular type of finance is is what someone needs. A, a good example, if someone rocks up to a car yard uh, and they need a particular sort of finance for their vehicle, a lot of people say, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm a, you're a business owner, oh, you'll need a higher purchase. And that's a particular type of finance that hasn't been appropriate for small business owners for five years. Mm. So there's all there's a lot of preconceived notions out there, and business finance and certainly the environment for business owners in the last few years has dramatically changed. So there's certain different areas to keep on top of. There's it's not a matter of yes, you know everything today, and you can sit and forget for a few years. And I guess the list of those all things that can be finance is probably endless, isn't it? I mean, you gave an example there of cars, but presumably it's uh, it's equipment, whether it be um, you know machinery um, or uh, you know IT equipment. Presumably, there's a whole long list of types of things that, that can be financed through. Yeah, yourself. look, look, absolutely. I, I think that my uh, there's two sort of things that I I sort of live by in terms of my business and what I invite other people to consider. Uh, firstly, if a business needs an an item or an asset to earn money in its business or it's required in its operation, then it should be able to be financed. That simple. Uh, and it's the almost like investing in uh, an employee, isn't it? Because you're paying an employee monthly on the assumption that they're going to be contributing to your bottom line in some way. Now, you wouldn't pay for an employee out front and say, well, up front, I'm, I'm going to give you $60,000 a year. Here's your check. Let's get going. So it's a similar kind of arrangement. If you're going to be investing in a piece of equipment that's going to be contributing to your bottom line, why would you pay for it up front? Well, I think there's there's two sides to that. Um, obviously, there's certain tax treatment in terms of how someone acquires an asset. So there's two different aspects to look at there in terms of, okay, do I actually want to own the asset or is there a, an ability to, to rent the asset? And obviously, they have two different tax uh, implications. That's mm. certainly something to, to speak to your accountant about. Um, I, I find that there, there certainly is that lack of uh, knowledge about the different uh, structures that are out there. And I think that's the important thing, not to have someone tell you how, how your finance should be structured. It, it's a matter of you working that out, having that chat with your accountant, being more aware of what those different options are out there rather than simply that's, taking what you're, you're yeah, told. Yeah, that's an excellent point, right? Chris, as well. I think that um, and are you able to sort of like elaborate? I appreciate, obviously, that's something which someone would need to get expertise in from, from necessarily their, from their sure. accountant, but are you able to broadly sort of say some of the options that are generally available? The yeah, most of common course. Options? Okay, so the most common option for a lot of people, is if we're going to talk about equipment specifically, because we've, mm. we've touched on that, is looking at a chattel mortgage. Now, a, a chattel... Sorry, at looking at a what mortgage? <laughs> a chattel mortgage. A chattel mortgage. A chattel mortgage. <laughs> is a option where someone owns the asset from day one and in terms of their tax consequences they can claim depreciation in the GST. Um, the other option for, for someone is to simply rent the asset or lease and that would have the implication of yes, they may not own, own mm. the goods mm. but in some of those instances they can potentially claim the whole payment against their tax. So there's two options there. When we talked about higher purchase before, uh, what happened a few years ago was the government made a decision whereby they were going to look at uh, GST on shuttle mortgages. They were going to make a decision to say, hey, we're not going to, uh, you know, everyone can have a higher purchase whether your business is on uh, accruals uh, or, or on a cash base in terms of their accounting. Uh, and then at the very last minute, every financier went out to every broker under the sun and said, hey, shuttle mortgages are dead, long live higher purchases. And then three weeks before the end of the financial year, they decided that they were going to 
add GST to the terms charges of a higher purchase, which effectively meant that every single client who had a higher purchase was going to pay 10% more on mm. the interest, on their documentation charge, every fee. So it, the subtleties like that are the reason why it's important to have that team of people around you that are willing to step you through each part of the process. You've touched on a, a few things now about one of the reasons that you would get finance and, you, and you've touched on a couple of options. But what I'd like to talk about after the break is, I mean, what you've actually spoken about is getting finance when you need it. That's yeah. And I would like to ask a question when we come back from the break, Paul, around what the benefit is to actually organise finance before you actually need it and using other people's money, so to speak, to finance your business. You're listening to Power Up Show with Mia and Paul on a live 90.5. And we should note, Paul, as always, our guests have picked the music on the show today. And as we said earlier, either a misspent childhood or a different age demographic. But I did enjoy that one. So you're off the hook today. Well, for the minute anyway. We'll see what comes <laughs> next. Oh, thanks for that. It's just better than me singing at karaoke. So probably better to have it on radio. Chris, <laughs> did you forget, I mean, Paul, did you forget to tell Chris that at the end of this show, we do ask our guests to do a karaoke session? Uh, yes, I, I forgot to mention oh, it, actually. Yeah. Surprise! <laughs> I just think that the valued advertisers of your show wouldn't really want that (laughs) as a lead-in, to be fair. (laughs) Chris, we were just chatting a little bit about um, finance, that that small business will come to finance companies when they actually need finance. But there is an argument to be had, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, so I'd love to get your point on this, is that business should be looking at finance a lot sooner then when they're actually needed and should possibly be looking at using other people's money anyway to to grow their business what are your thoughts around that uh, look absolutely i mean a lot of a lot of your listeners are small business owners they have their their own uh you know they have a mortgage to pay they've got kids they've, they've got their own personal expenses so i suppose it's important to be able to separate out uh that personal and business lending in, in the first instance uh, is that a mindset thing to understand because i know on a personal uh, on a personal side of you know my personal finances, I minimise debt to zero all the time. I don't like paying interest because I couldn't you know just the thought of giving somebody more money than they actually deserve just annoys the living daylights out of me. So I run my personal finances very tightly to avoid paying any extra costs. But on a business side, do is that the same attitude you should have on a business side? Well, it's interesting you say that. Look, obviously. A lot of people, when they sort of come to those finance decisions, often what has happened is they've bought something, they've spent a whole bunch of money, and their accountant tells them at the end of the year, hey, you've spent this money, potentially you should have looked at finance. I think it's probably, from my perspective, I think it's important to have a a budget for capital expenditure up front. And look, I think a lot of good business advisors or or accountants would ask that question, what's the capital expenditure you've got planned for the next 12 to 18 months? It's not something that a business owner should know straight away. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, hang on, I don't have a plan, you're far from alone. A lot of people Mm. would not have that. But the question itself gets you to think. And the idea is when you're spending a decent amount of money for your business or you are thinking about that, then at least you're you're starting to budget for that. Just like every personal expense, obviously there's certain things that you, hey, you might want a holiday, you might want to buy that nice car or whatever Mm. else. If if you are scrupulous with your own personal budget, uh, you still need to be... I suppose, considering that sort of uh, attitude towards your business uh, in terms of planning, and then obviously if you're looking to bring those things forward, there might be some tax benefits, there might be benefits Mm. for your business. Um, The one thing I do find a lot of people are guilty of is we all tend to to look at our risk profile and then assume that every business is like that. Uh, There's a lot of high interest finance options out there for people. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. Just go through that again. So I look at my personal business's risk assessment Uh, and assume everyone else is the same as me. Just talk me through that. Yeah, I'm more talking about the the sort of different people that advise small business. So Uh every business owner is different and there may well be business owners out there whereby they might look at the cost of finance and, hey, if you're used to a home loan that's at four odd percent, then you start looking at a loan that's for vehicles and equipment and they might be five, six, eight, ten, thirteen percent. 
hey, there's there's many lenders out there, and there's a, a very common lender in the hospitality industry, and their their rates are well in the 30s and 40s. Ooh, wow, they are very common. It's very common to see this particular that sounds, lender. Uh, it that is out this world. It but really, presumably there's a reason as to why they can look, uh, charge that. It's all about risk, and yeah. if if you look at if you look beyond rates, and you're actually thinking about well, okay. What security and what risk is someone taking by lending you that money? That risk reward trade off is fairly important. Yeah. Now, an example of that, why I'm with you. Why would someone possibly look at rates that high? Well, they might back themselves. They they think they've got the best uh, cafe solution that's in the right area and they want to fit that out. Who's going to lend that for someone who decides to start their cafe or their hairdressing salon? certain industries have incredible levels of risk and as a result oh, of that you know. there is that risk re- return trade-off mm, so mm. when 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 a lot of people that are uh, employees we we look and think hang on that rate's high because we all we all know the rates behind our home loan yeah. we don't often know the rates around our business finance mm. but a lot of business owners are more entrepreneurial they are willing to take risk and they think well okay if I'm paying 30% interest for this particular item, but I'm marking that up and selling that at 200%, then I'm making money straight away. Where can I get more of it? Mm. So it really mm. is about that mindset. Every industry is different. And for me, when we're looking at interest rates and things for, for, for different clients, it's really important to make sure that we we take the time to understand, well, okay, each industry is different. What are, What is someone actually using the money for? Okay, with equipment, fine. It's fairly obvious. I'm buying a, pe- a piece of equipment. But that next, that follow-up question, well, okay, what is that doing? Is by having that piece of equipment meaning that I have to have four staff instead of six? Mm. So straight away, that there's obviously cost savings involved. Everything's and, different. And is that something that a, a finance consultant should be having, that, that discussion they should be having with small business so that they actually understand that the investment is not just an investment on paper around an asset, that there's actually more around that investment they should be looking at? I think I think to that point that it's probably a lot about. Uh, I'm a firm believer. I'm a very firm believer in the strength of a business owner's relationship with an accountant. I think you've got to have a, a, a strong relationship with an yeah. accountant first and foremost. <laughs> I, I'm probably. Do we spe- have to like the accountant? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I suppose some people like going to the dentist more than seeing their accountant. But I think it's important to have a good relationship on that side. I mean, my business is a finance consultancy because I believe that my business and people like me should be doing more than just simply sourcing finance. Mm. If you're not asking those underlying questions, then you don't know what's appropriate. Uh, Someone might give the best uh, short-term rate. They might have an amazingly sharp rate in the window. A great example, someone buys a a fancy car and someone talks about 0% interest on a car. The chances are there's underlying fees, charges. They're buying a car that's not selling. Mm. And the net effect of that might be that down the track, you know, they're not able to get anything back when they look to trade that vehicle at the end of the term. Terms and conditions are just as important than rate. It really is about what is that end payment, what is that money being used for, and what's the use for your business. Uh, it's more than just rate. That's really excellent insight, Chris. Uh, you've opened my mind to a number of things that I never would have thought of before. So I really appreciate that. So we're going to hear more from you uh, in yeah, a short while. But when we come back, what I'd like to find out from you is um, what I need to be preparing for when I look at finance. So regardless, I'm sure there are differences between when I need money ASAP versus preparing for the fact that I'm going to need finance. I'd love to know what I need to have in place to start looking at having finance how does that sound, Paul? Sounds good to me. You're listening to Power Up um, with Mia and Paul on Live 90.5. You're listening to our Live 90.5 with Mia and Paul Power Up, and we've got our guest Chris Slack here um, this afternoon. And Chris, just before we uh, broke off there, we were talking about the sort of things that um, uh, you probably would need to get prepared on before getting getting finance. So maybe you can just elaborate on that for sure. us a bit further. No, thanks, Paul. Look, uh, it's funny. You go to your accountant and you want to get the best result and not pay a whole lot of tax. Mm. Uh, then you go to a I lender. never want to pay tax. I'm just throwing that out there. Well, this, this is the, the law, Mia. <laughs> I get that it's the well, law. I'm just the, saying it. <laughs> well, this is the small issue, Mia. Uh, a lot of accountants I know that uh, have clients that love them, uh, they love them because they haven't paid a lot of tax. And if they haven't paid a whole lot of tax, turns out that when they try to get borrowings uh, from banks or lenders, 
uh, they actually like to see people declaring a decent amount of profit as well. So there's that mm. fine line, isn't there? Like, that's right. mm. you, yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because the more tax I'm paying means that the more <laughs> I'm invoicing out, which means I'm making more profits, which means mm. I'm showing more money, which means you're happy to finance me, right? You well, do we get financed after all, Mia. I do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, so I think the, the important part for small businesses to know is obviously... Uh, there's obviously a lot less uh, options for those people that are starting up or they're fairly new to industry. Uh, that's certainly one area. So uh, there's certainly a lot more appetite for lenders to help businesses after they've been around two years. But as we were talking about off air, Mia, <laughs> people actually need to be thinking about finance before they actually mm-hmm. want it. So there is that thought process early on when you're starting up. It makes it a lot harder. So uh, traditionally, that's how a mainstream bank would look. What do I need? So, you know, I know that if I want to get a mortgage, I need to have, you know, three months worth of savings in the bank or something. I've got to prove that I'm not spending X, Y, and Z. I mean, there's a heap of stuff that I need that's just on a personal basis for a mortgage. And I know intuitively that if I'm going to buy a house, I need to have X, Y, and Z in place. Or I've spoken to my bank and they've told me I need to have the following in place. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that when it comes to business, there's got to be something similar preparing for finance instead of jumping up and down at the last minute and paying 30 40% interest rate because it's an <laughs> urgent emergency, the machine's broken. Uh, I suppose, yes, traditionally lenders have looked at someone's tax returns and how things have gone. Um, I think really, the, and we were talking about this as well, the big thing that people don't realise is how how much their bank statements are actually being scrutinised. So uh, if you're a business owner and you've been around a few months, you're looking for some working capital and you're that same person that decides to uh, get their money out at the pub every other week, lenders actually see that now. In 2019... Sorry, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I, hey, me, me too. Just, just called Paul out there. <laughs> Sorry, so, so Paul. Paul. So, uh, so Paul. You know, lots of cash advances from a credit card, overdrawing account. So your account conduct on your bank statement has actually become quite brutal. And that's, uh, I think, when you were looking, we're going to talk later on about uh, trends going forward. And Mm -hmm. uh, really, uh, the security of your data, yes, your credit file, a lot of people that are used to that from from looking at their own personal lending, but... uh, the conduct of your bank statement is actually a, a big area for a lot of people. And Chris, at is, this, uh, is this both a business bank statement as well as a personal bank statement? Absolutely. People oh, sorry, they're both. looking at my personal bank statement yes, too? Yes, they will. Wow. Absolutely. So they're well, shopping. Well if, if <laughs> you want, well, if you're starting that cafe up tomorrow, Mia, or yeah. you're starting a new business, a lot of people don't have the choice. So they've got to mm. hang their hat on something. So they mm. will look at your personal bank statement to get some minimal level of comfort early days. Let, let's just talk about that because I, I think I need to drill into that because that's just yeah, like we need straight to over my head. Yeah, <laughs> me and Nels sure. woken up that she cares about it a bit more. So I start a business tomorrow and yep. I've been going for three, four months, right? And I'm showing up, say, a relatively decent profit and I know that I need to, in order to take my business to the next level, I need to, in the next six months, I want to finance a widget and Maduda. You know what those are, right? You finance those. Sure, yeah, okay, lots great. of those, yeah. <laughs> um, and I come and I talk to you about that. So I'm showing you, say, for example, profits of three months. You're still going to go back to my private bank account where actually just incidentally, in order to show those profits, I've been funneling money into the business account because I'm trying to fool you as the finance guy. <laughs> so so that's a big no-no. There's absolutely nowhere to hide. In 2019, there's nowhere to hide. But oh. to, to, because we're talking about which me do does. Yep. I'll know which me do does. Every business has different ways uh, of showing comfort to a lender. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be a bank. Uh, some lenders might get comfort with the fact that, hey, you've only been trading three or four months, but your clients are Coles and Aldi uh, or mm. BHP. They're larger larger companies. Uh, some other lenders might get comfort uh, with the fact that, okay, you're, you're buying and selling from overseas, but they'll take additional security. The the one thing that is very hard, I think, for a lot of small business owners uh, now is the level of uh, the level the level of uh, support that every one of their loans are attached to property, and that's really the the hard part as well. A lot of small business owners, everyone values the house; they don't want anything additional against the house. But a lot of lenders are simply looking for bricks and mortar security mm-hmm. and it's it doesn't have to be like that. I thought we were past bricks and mortar to be honest. Are we not there are we not past it? Look, 
Uh, if we're looking at a mainstream trading bank, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but for a finance organisation, because I, I, am I right in saying that there's a difference between the way a bank is going to finance me versus the way a finance company is going to finance me? I, I don't know. I'm asking the question. No, look, no all, look all, all lenders have certain areas that they look at and, and areas within their appetite, and obviously everyone eats differently. Um, when, it, when you're looking at a mainstream trading bank and you're looking at a particular uh, level of lend, uh, there's what's called an unsecured lend. So a le- when someone's looking at security, if I'm looking at an overdraft from a business or I'm looking at working capital, typically we would think of that being unsecured. There's no asset behind that loan. Um, when a bank's looking at a lot of different lending options, a lot of the time, if you're looking at a larger loan in particular, they would consider, they would look at having some sort of additional security. And a lot of the time, that will be property. Well, that's really good, Chris. And I just um, we've got a lot more to hear from you sorry. after the break. And <laughs> sorry, after for, sorry for uh, dropping the truth bombs. But no, no, it's, it's, uh, oh, look, it's, it's yeah. a great insight. Really great it's, insight. It's so and, important um, because I think there is that misconception towards how finance is dealt with, and I know there's been mm. a lot of changes. And uh, if we have time, we could probably touch a little bit on the Royal Commission. Um, I think it's been touched on quite significantly by a number of people <laughs> all over the place every time you turn and on we'll the radio. Continue. So let's not let's it's not be those people, right? To talk about the Royal <laughs> sure. Commission. But I think there is an education that needs to happen around finance because as business owners, I mean, I think Paul and I, we both walked in here with a very different, I did. I'm mm. sorry, Paul, I'm talking about half of you here, so I take that back. I walked in with a very different idea as to to what I thought you would be looking for. And uh, while it doesn't affect me knowing that my personal bank account is going to be looked over if I need finance, I think it's something that business owners need to be aware of. So, yeah, when we come back, we're going to go to the news now, but when we come back, we're going to follow that conversation. And I want to have a discussion with you about the fact if I'm having these big lender, big clients like Coles and BHP Billiton who are traditionally not bad payers, I take that back. Slower payers. Slower payers, how you deal with that. You're listening to a live 90.5 with Mia and Paul. I briefly want to touch on the end of our conversation before we keep moving forward, uh, and that is around having a slow payer or slow payers traditionally on your books. Now, there's many reasons why you would have a slow payer. It could be some of the, the bigger names who are just traditionally slow play, uh, slow payers. Just say that 20 times fast. Uh, it could be lack of good credit control because let's be honest, we have that too. But how does that affect me if I've got a, a finance or I'm looking to finance something and I'm showing on my books that there's outstanding debt of, let's just go for example, I don't know, say $50,000 uh, and it's all slow payers. The debt is good. We know they pay. We just understand that they're traditionally slow payers. How does that affect finance? I, I think it gets back to that cash flow cycle. And I think that's that's the big thing that every small business yeah, if we take anything away from today, the cash flow cycle is critical and just understanding what those triggers are along the cash flow cycle. But to your point specifically, um, look, some lenders will look and see a big name like a Coles and Audi, you go, well, you know what, you're doing something right because otherwise how would you be able to continue a business relationship with a company like that? So mm-hmm. they might then turn around and say, well, okay, well, what sort of contracts do you hold? Is there is there an, is there some sort of uh, a minimum uh, time that, that you're dealing with Coles or, or Woolies? Is there a, a, a minimum amount that they're guaranteeing? Uh, there's certain other aspects that sort of, when you're looking at a large debt, it's great, but hey, not all of us have the privilege of dealing with a Coles or a Woolies. And there's a lot of slow payers simply because, hey, times are tough. Mm. So to that point, it's just about, well, okay, there is different lending products available, whether it be your debtors are slow or you're having trouble actually paying for suppliers. But it's a very good point that you said, looking at your cash flow cycle, because in fact, having a cash flow cycle that perhaps is, uh, well, not that it's not stable, it's just that you're waiting for finance to come in. It does limit your growth, doesn't it? Uh, Which goes back to the fact that perhaps I need to look at finance to, to make sure that I'm a little bit more consistent with my cash flow and therefore I'm able to grow and scale accordingly. And, and I suppose that's, that's a really important point because your traditional bank style overdraft that's really a set amount and isn't going to grow as quickly as you do. If you, if you have a business that's you know, fortunate enough to grow at 20, 30, 40% per year, uh, really you need to be growing in, in line with your sales. So mm-hmm. having some sort of a, 
a uh, a facility for your lending that that grows when your sales grow is key for that mm. for that sort of problem. Yeah, absolutely. And we are going to come back uh, and talk away some talk about some of the takeaways that we we've got for small business owners. But I think one of the takeaways that I've gotten just out of this segment alone is that many of us go into business, and I right from the get go I said I'm not strong on finance. That's not why I got into business. And I would imagine that that Paul, did you get into business because you love finance? No. <laughs> to be truthful, no. Uh, but some of the things that you've said now in terms of, of cash flow and understanding that cash flow flow cycle, intuitively, I know that. Mm. But practically, do I actually look at my business and go, right, let's talk about this cash flow cycle. What is outstanding debt? What do I need to do to scale and take me to the next level? I don't think I've actually had that realization, so to speak, or that proactive look at the books to say, right, maybe this is what we need to do next, because it's never occurred to me to do that. Well, I suppose when you think about it, you're, you're, when you're waiting for your stock to come in or when you're waiting for someone to, to pay you, you still have your fixed cost. You have to pay the rent, the electricity. You have to pay for mm. your staff. So when you've got those fixed costs of running a business and you've got those variables out there, uh, like we were talking about before, it is important to identify them early on and be able to look at, well, okay, how can I potentially organise finance? We're just coming into to March now. So a lot of small businesses really struggle over that December to, to February period because, hey, their, their business operation... Traditionally, we slow down. Mm. Yeah, that's mm. right. So... So there's diff- a lot of people look at short-term cash flow gaps and think, well, okay, we're, we're over that, then we don't have to worry about it anymore or we just manage and cope. Mm. Um, whereas if you're planning when you've got that, you've done those capital expenditure budgets, when you've actually looked at what those drivers are in your cash flow cycle, it allows you to, if you have an appropriate finance facility, you're not you know, worrying from week to week, mm-hmm. day to day as to when things are coming through. So regardless of whether you need finance or not, you should, as you said earlier on, make sure that you've actually got a capital expenditure. You might not use it. You might decide not to have that option, but you've got it there in the books ready to go and it's front of mind. I'd go as far as saying that even thinking about it in the first instance is a great start because that way you're actually thinking about, well, okay, what's next for my business? When we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the takeaways that small businesses can take away and and put into practice straight away because I think, Paul, you and I really want to get into the future, 2030, and what does finance mean moving forward? Absolutely. That sounds like a great idea. Okay, you're listening to a live 90.5 FM with me and Paul. And we are back with Chris Slack. And Grab some roses this morning. Patience is a long song. <laughs> yeah, have patience, Mia. Have patience. <laughs> the song, song was nowhere near ended. ending. That's right. <laughs> it was a song that part. never ended. I actually wanted to start again. Guns and Roses. Which shows I probably I'm the you. biggest, biggest Gunners fan, bigger Gunners fan than you are, I think. Yeah. Yes, and also you finally got your Gunners in because one of our guests, under no hint or suggestion from you, voluntarily asked us to play Guns and Roses. Woohoo! Love it. Yes. Yeah, so, Chris, when we left off, we we wanted to. Just go through some things that small business can implement. Now, I know we've touched through a number of these uh, little things through our conversation, but let's just get it together in one little bit so that, you know, listeners, if you've got your pen and paper ready, we've got it all here. So the first thing. First thing is be aware of your team. So make sure you're working with your accountant, your broker. Know who your team is and work closely with your your support So your team. suggestion is that I've got an accountant and a broker? I would think so, yes, but a lot of the time an accountant might introduce you to a, a good broker as well that they've dealt okay. with. Um, so your first step would be having a good accountant. Yeah. Okay. So don't be in a silo by yourself thinking you're going to be able to do it. I don't think... I think that really the one thing for every business owner is that it's really more about collaboration these days. Mm-hmm. There is an expectation uh, and people are more willing to collaborate. So absolutely, yes, don't live in a silo plenty of people who are willing to work and and help your business. Beautiful. And what would the next takeaway be? Uh, Look, we talked about triggers of the cash flow cycle. So being aware of of the ebbs and troughs in your business in terms of when when there's money for lobster and when there's uh, money for mints in your your budget for those individuals uh, that run their Although the prices in the supermarkets these days, maybe that's... uh, (laughs) You must be having the no fat mints. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, we, t- we spoke about having a budget and the awareness around 
capital expenditure. And look, it's critical because you can have the best uh, knowledge of your triggers in your cash flow cycle, but if there's that that big bill or that that big piece of investment that's required for you to keep up to date with you know requirements in your industry, there's there's a lot of different industries whereby there might be a, a requirement to, to meet a, a, a standard or a level of compliance that might require updating. Uh, even for for a franchise owner, a lot of those franchises require to refit out their place every five years. So the, knowing those things up front and and not just uh, taking things for granted. Mm. So look, having a really good plan yeah. there yeah. in terms yeah. of thinking thinking ahead, in, and I guess probably that relates to probably what should we be there in terms of having an overall business plan in terms of what's coming up for the business over a number of years. Yeah, so having a business plan, obviously, that's a lot more wider wider encompassing than simply just looking at capital expenditure mm. and, and that side of things. But I think the the big thing that Mia brought up earlier was, um, you know, what do we do about getting finance before we need it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things that I couldn't implore anyone more to think about is that uh, access for capital can't be taken for granted anymore. Mm-hmm. We can't just assume that our bank or our one lender is going to help us. Uh, you need to be aware that you know, it may well be that business conditions change over time. So I think it's important to to think about those sort of options that your business might need capital. Look at locking those in before you need them. Mm. And that way you're not running around at the last minute and potentially missing out on opportunities. Now, you just said something which I, I wanted to touch on quickly. You said your bank or one lender. Are you suggesting that we shopping things out? Well, I think that every different businesses get to different stages so I think that there's a, lo- a lot of people when they're thinking about their their own personal and consumer debts me and I think you sort of touched on before in terms of being tied around your personal mm. I'll shop everything around yeah <laughs> but at the same time there's this underlying thought for all of us that oh I want to consolidate my debts mm-hmm. a lot of people have that thought when they think about themselves as an individual for businesses a lot of the time it is advantageous to separate those out mm. uh, certainly for larger businesses don't get me wrong if you're looking at a business that's growing and growing and growing it may well get to the stage that to to get even further you do need to look at bringing things all under one roof but considering all of the different lender policies and options and things that are out there it really is worth worthwhile not just diversifying for the sake of diversifying but because there's different lenders that are better at doing different things now i know you're going through some takeaways that business owners need to that, that they can take away from this i just wanted to touch on one thing very briefly though would you uh, would you agree and it's something that i think i'm wrapping my mind around now that a business owner needs to really remove themselves from the way they run their personal finances versus how they run their business finances it's it's look um the emotion in terms of how different people look at both their personal money mm. management as well as the their the budgeting for the business um i know there's a lot of people that would be extremely frugal with their business and then be you know happy to throw their money around with rounds of drinks on a Saturday mm-hmm. night. So, look, I think everyone's quite different with that. Um, for those people that have the discipline across both, great and more power to you. Um, I think really those principles are similar, but in terms of the way you look at those personal and business expenses, um, if you are working closely with an accountant, they'll be working mm-hmm. to make sure that your personal wealth increases rather than tying up a lot of wealth within your business Mm. as well. Uh, And that separation out probably moves more towards uh, working with your financial planner. Uh, as well mm. so different some accountants different do that strokes. as well but it's it's that complete picture it's not just looking at one thing in isolation so we've touched on looking at your cash flow and making sure you understand that cash flow we've touched on making sure you pre-prepare for finance have you mm. know so if you're listening right now well don't do it right now because you're still listening to us <laughs> and we're pretty awesome but don't go away <laughs> yeah at Actually, should they do it after picking picks? Yeah, from f- yeah, maybe tomorrow morning. I would recommend you get on the phone with your accountants and have that discussion around financing, anyway, and getting that into the budget. Really looking at your capital expenditure yeah. and look. Whilst we're talking about cash flow, it's not sexy. I agree. Uh, at all. Oh, come now. We love talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> wake yes. up, Paul. Well, I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you don't right. get me to wake well, up. Yeah, yeah, put it this yeah. way. No one likes talking about their personal budget um, and a lot of people certainly don't like the idea of talking about their business budget because, hey, their business is their baby. Mm. They know best. Mm. And, and that's fine. I suppose it's just a matter of having the right people around you and being aware of those triggers. Yeah. So what are some of the other takeaways? What can small business do today in order to improve their finance now? 
I think really it's about being aware of, of where your financials are looking at. If you've got that good relationship with the accountant, hey, you've got another quarter left, right? Uh, a lot of the, the strong businesses or businesses for whatever reason, uh, if they have an accountant, they don't have to pay tax for another few months. So they're still thinking about their 2008 financials. Mm. So a lot of the things that might have happened for that business previously, hey, they, they still have a few months to do something about that to prevent it happening next year. Mm -hmm. So in terms of how finance looks, obviously having that relationship with an accountant will allow them to then say, well, okay, is this the time? Or am I looking at getting a larger deduction? Maybe I do need to bring that purchase of that equipment forward or maybe I do need to make sure I, I iron out that relationship with a supplier or call in those debts. It's just making sure we're aware of, of those different drivers. Okay, so you, so I'm going to put you on the spot here because sure. Paul loves it when I do this to him, so he's off the hook for the minute. No, that's what I'm here for. You just said finance is not sexy. So, <laughs> how do we make... I said cash flow. In oh, fairness, sorry, I said cash flow, wasn't, cash flow management wasn't sexy. <laughs> I had finance. I'm sure there's I. a lot of people out there listening that... Uh, <laughs> work with me in different capacities that would beg to differ. I, I heard Fano, so then I fell asleep. So, <laughs> so cash flow is not sexy. How do you make cash flow sexy so that business owners wake up to the fact that this is a very important topic and that if you don't look at your cash flow and you don't understand those ebbs and flows, that there's no way you're going to grow and scale anyway. So... In 30 seconds, make cash flow sexy for us. No problem. <laughs> uh, well, a big Don't problem. put your shirt back on. That's not what meant. <laughs> Please don't do that to your <laughs> listeners. Uh, look, the main, the reason why cash flow and finance is sexy is not about the actual doing it. It's what it does. It's what it ends up. It's about that car. It's about that holiday. It's about that lifestyle. It's about being able to, to breathe easy the next day and not have to worry about the day-to-day -day movements of your bank account being able to breathe easy knowing that, hey, I don't have to worry about how I pay my staff tomorrow. So hmm. the, the sexy part is, well, hey, I'm able to breathe easy. I'm able to focus on more important things. I'm actually able to focus on my family and lifestyle outside my business because, hey, my finance is running smoothly. Beautiful. I think you nailed it. Did you nail this? I think you nailed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a comfort factor. <laughs> yeah, but you're a big nerd. Yeah, so. I'm a nerd anyway. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and it was yes. always, you were never going to fail in my eyes there, Chris. So <laughs> maybe in beers, no more. But I'm a left brain thinker. I do like the finances things as long as you don't expect me to get into the nitty gritty of it. <laughs> well, the one thing that a lot of people think is sexy, obviously, is the finance. Or, or, you know, people want to get that car. So mm. a lot of people are used to getting car finance, whether from, from themselves and the business. And everyone gets very caught up in, oh, isn't that a nice, shiny car? People don't sort of sit there looking at the interest straight they're too busy about how how do i drive away what's mm. the, what's the holiday i'm taking my family mm. in in the car straight away yeah. so mm, it's, right. it's not driven, about the finance about what it actually does for you or your driven business. by some of the emotions of a nice car <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay when we come back we're probably going to just focus uh, about uh, where things are going to go over the next uh, 10 years we like to think in this show in terms of which i guess about uh, what's like to happen between now and, and 2030 so um when we come back with uh, chris we'll talk further with that you're listening to power up with me and paul on live 90.5 and Paul, this is probably your favourite, favourite section. And that's when, now let's just be clear to all my listeners out there. My husband's a nerd. I love nerds. I married the king of nerds. And Paul, you're definitely the nerd in this relationship of ours, <laughs> this business partnership. <laughs> and um, both of us are passionate about 2030 and where we're going in 2030. Absolutely. But for you, you're quite excited about having this discussion around finance. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm going to let you take it away. <laughs> Thank you, Mia. Yeah, so, so Chris, I guess probably what we're thinking in terms of uh, what can you see coming forward between now and 2030 and how is that going to impact uh, business finance the way it is now versus uh, you know, looking into the crystal ball, what's likely to happen in, in the coming years? I think we, we talked about it before, but I actually think that in 2030, uh, someone's bank account will become more important than their tax return in terms of how someone decides and to whether they'll be lent to. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a big part. Um, there's a lot of lenders in in the current fintech space, yep. which are people that are looking uh, at small business lending and that are solely based around bank statements. Sure. I, I actually don't think that that will be completely normalised by mm -hmm. 2030. I think a mm -hmm. lot of people think that that's the future because mm -hmm. things are quick. Uh, I think when people realise the, the cost of quick and easy, I think that that area will change quite significantly. Just looking mm -hmm. at business finance, um, from a personal point of view, in 2030, my seven-year-old daughter will be 18. Mm, mm. And that would, to me, that means that every 18-year-old in 2030 will have had an iPad as part of their learning throughout primary and secondary education. Yes, exactly right. So yeah. it's not going to be about typing. It's going to swipe and click. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I think that's the side that people aren't aware of. 
if people aren't aware of already, online and social business reputation is enormous now mm. and it will only get bigger. Yes, nice. And we actually have a guest coming in to talk about this branding side of things because it mm. is so important. Mm. I think it's quite amazing the amount of people that don't realise if there is an article written about you and it sits in Google, people will find out and, mm. and lenders look. Mm. Simple as that. Yeah. So for me, 2030, online reputation, uh, reducing keystrokes, I think is a big thing. Uh, mm. People don't want... The ease of doing business won't change. People will always want an ease in how they do business with you. Um, so that that's going to be less keystrokes. Mm. Um, I think some things will remain timeless, though. I, I think meaningful client contact, experiences versus objects, I think that's one thing sure. this mm. generation are really after. I think yeah. people are, are after an experience, not necessarily a physical object they take away, yeah. uh, and reputation. So that that's where I see it. But Where do we think we're going with Bitcoin or the whatever else is coming on around Bitcoin? <laughs> you didn't think I knew what Bitcoin was, did you, no. Paul? You look shocked. I am shocked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stay off that one. Uh, and, and we'll the go other back to fintech then, shall we? Well, <laughs> uh, hey, uh, when you think about it, Bitcoin's a medium of currency. Mm. Uh, I have a particular client that I deal with and they've told me that instead of paying for their signage, they've got a local guy who's willing to swap their signage for uh, uh, a cut-up deer that he can he can find and hunt for them. So Bitcoin is a medium of exchange. Mm. Uh, yes, it's a sec- it's secondary trade and everything else. Mm. Um, I think that different mediums of exchange might still be talked about in 2030. Yep. Whether Bitcoin is or not, uh, hopefully it doesn't fall the way of a millennium bug. Yeah, yes. look, let me just exactly. tap out yeah. of this conversation because what I know <laughs> about out. Bitcoin is the word, Bitcoin. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, mean, I think we should do a, a quiz on me and there about Bitcoin. I think you've got 10 questions like that, Chris. <laughs> and I've got 10. Uh, let's keep Bitcoin, <laughs> Ethereum and every other currency to the side and <laughs> worry about uh, cash and, <laughs> and <laughs> when, when cash business are paying with everything in Bitcoin, different story. But I, to your point, though, I mean, Bitcoin was originally set up as a medium of exchange for mm. people to avoid uh, being tracked and in t- in 2019 and certainly 2030 uh, all of our government and banking institutions there is a freedom of information yes every director of a company is about to have to put their hand on heart and say hey they're going to put themselves on a register so the the freedom of information about businesses is really key uh, that that whole concept of bitcoin was to avoid uh, detection, mm. so and to I think speak. it's uh, it's fair to say that you know total transparency is just mm. going to continue. And I think uh, you know I guess probably coming from financial services myself, and this was very familiar with a total compliance culture from within as well is just going to be something which just will be just just continuous and just escalate further. Look, the ATO have already taken a few. I mean, we're going completely off topic here, but the ATO have already taken individuals to court around mm. Bitcoin and the profits they made around Bitcoin, and there's a whole new, I suppose, legal uh, framework framework being built around how do we declare Bitcoin because it's capital gains at the end of the day, what's coming in. So I don't think people are going to hide away from Bitcoin. How Bitcoin fits into the future, I mean, it's so volatile. Yeah. Anyway, that's me. Tap out. The last <laughs> thing I wanted to ask you before <laughs> before people actually think I know what I'm talking about around Bitcoin is how do we start financing things like flying cars, hoverboards? Um, trips to the driverless moon. cars. Driverless cars. I'll take one. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> hey, there, there is actually an ex-politician. Uh, I've forgotten his last name. Clem is his first name. I want to say Newton Brown, but apologies for those listeners that know who I'm talking about, and it's not the case. I believe he's actually started to look at uh, places for the flying cars to be able to land on buildings. Uh, so. Wow. So, yeah, I think, yeah, for, for people my age and older, yeah, we remember the Jetsons. Uh, we, remember, we remember people flying around in their Paul, in that their came cars. on the TV. It's like a little <laughs> box that you turn on and there's little moving pictures. In black around. and white. Uh, okay. <laughs> J- J- Jetsons was pretty old. Uh, but, look, I think that I think the whole – a lot of people would like to try and make the call that uh, in 2030 we won't have any petrol-powered cars. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's it's probably a little way away. A lot of people look uh, looking at that, you know, automated driving and what have you. Um, to your point before, though, the other thing that's happening just starting now is that we've started to get used to with Uber the whole concept of the shared economy. Yes, mm, yeah. what, gig economy, shared what economy. businesses might get to very shortly, and it's already started, is the actual sharing of resources like equipment, and not not, mm. and paying paying for their use. Mm. Uh, I know CBA has already just started a trial of that for 
larger harvesters and larger pieces of gear that are sitting in country areas whereby they have centralised software that shares out the usage and, and the cost of actually running a, a large machine. Mm. If you think about it, there's a lot of people that are, you know, in Australia we're lucky, we've got a large, a lot of uh, large uh, primary producers. They also have extremely large expenditure. If they yes, want to exactly. go and get a brand new piece of Caterpillar gear, they might wait 18, 24 months to even get that from mm-hmm. overseas. Mm-hmm. So if they're going to make that massive capital expenditure, mm-hmm. um, we will start seeing a lot more businesses actually looking at how they share those costs. Mm-hmm. I think the other, just to sharing, I think we're going to see a lot more collaboration. I think younger people expect people to collaborate. They don't, uh, it's not something that they pay one person. Uh, they actually expect their accountant, their business advisor, their broker, they expect everyone to talk nicely and play nicely in the sandbox um, <laughs> rather than be uh, adversarial. And I think a lot of business owners would prefer that too. Absolutely. I think yeah. what we also learned from, from having this discussion about 2030 around finance is much like everything else where we think that cash is king. Well, I mean, not that we think we know cash is king. We actually don't know what the finance industry is going to look like in 10 years' time. As with most things, we've got a, an idea of to what finance is going to be, but there's so many players coming in. There's so many technological advancements, and how is that going to affect finance moving forward, and how do we protect ourselves around that? Well, whether it's 2030 or 2019, there's always going to be a legislative framework for us all to operate in. Well, this is Chris trying to make it sexy. No. <laughs> well, no. There's, there, there is some, some sexy players in banking. There is a, a, a group of people that are called neobanks, and they are, I suppose, for those people that are used to U-Bank or ING for their, their residential home loan, uh, because they might have dealt with a broker, they've come across those sort of lending. Uh, there is this concept of, out there of neobanks, so people that are looking to start with a banking licence. So th- there's a few different things out there. Sexy? Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get me a flying car and I'll call anything sexy just quietly. <laughs> the flying cars are a bit sexier than the neobanks. I, I, I actually like the way you took that, Chris, uh, that segment there, Chris, as well, because I think uh, it's very interesting to, see, to hear you think about some things that are still core values that you still see would be increasingly important going on and taking you know, like, in terms of like you know, having a good relationship um, with, uh, with clients about how those sort of things are still and good service are really, really key. Yeah, never going to change. So we're going to wrap up uh, now with this segment. Uh, you're listening to a live 90.5 with Mia and Paul. And uh, when we come back, we'll wrap up with our guest today, Chris. Marshmallows Happier is probably one of those songs that are running around with our kids all the time. So for Chris, your little ones, Sophie and Charlie, that's from Daddy. Um, and Ali, Chris says, you love that song, so you should play it more at home. <laughs> uh, don't worry, she does. They're obsessed, my kids. I love it. Now, Paul, you and I found out something about Chris, and it's almost like we've got a real-life superhero in the studio. I would almost go say, as far as for, for, say, guru, actually. Guru, um, yeah. So one of the things we were talking about o- offline in terms of uh, where um, where Chris gets a lot of his uh, work that comes through from, and uh, it was really surprising in terms of the source of work. So, uh, Chris, do you, would you mind expanding on that for sure. us, for please? Yeah, sure. Look, 90% of, of my business actually comes from other brokers, uh, accountants, and uh, sometimes I'm even fortunate enough to have other lenders refer me transactions for clients for things that they can't get done. Sorry, Chris, did you say 19 or 90? No, 90. 90, 90, 90%. 90%. Wow. That's a massive number. Wow. So yes. are you, I mean, this is what we were discussing when we were all fair now. It seems like you are the, um, what's the word we're looking for? You used the word guru, but it's almost <laughs> as if, you know, this is in the too hard basket. Don't worry. Chris is going to sort us. Mm. It's not the sort of reputation that a lot of people would like when they're starting their <laughs> business to be the person that looks at the uh, the too hard basket. But look, it's what motivates me. What mm. motivates me, you were talking about what motivates yourselves, mm. what motivates me every day is being able to solve these different problems, working with small business. I, I believe that every business should be able to attain finance regardless of, of the age of their business, regardless regardless of the stage of their business. So um, it is fortunate. And look, there's a lot of people that would say, well, okay, how are you looking at all those sort of people in, in the chain? And my response to that would be, uh, as a result of working with so many different brokers and accountants, I get to deal with so many different complex clients. And it's fantastic because I can't grow... Uh, and get better at what I do until I'm dealing with mm. the hardest situations at mm. all times. So but what it also I, shows me, Chris, is that there actually isn't, there isn't, you know, a business owner shouldn't be sitting back going, I want to build this Wujimadoo and I need a dingbat <laughs> maluli. <laughs> Going yes, with the technical term. Uh, yeah, what can I say? Again. Technical things, that's my forte. Um, but business owners shouldn't be sitting back going, well, there's no way 
I'm going to get finance for this, so let me wait two, three years till I get the money to get it sorted. I think it's just about business owners getting a better source of truth, uh, whether it be that person that they see at the barbecue and have a beer with on the weekend, whether it be their bank or whoever they're dealing with. It's just about not necessarily accepting no for an answer straight mm-hmm. away, at least asking a little bit more about, well, okay, why? What, why can't I do this? And and accept not just accepting the status quo when they're given feedback about why they can get a loan. There's plenty of different lenders out there. Uh, there's plenty more that are coming out there. And it may well be that you're looking at solving a problem one way when there's plenty of other different finance options solving mm. it another. Mm. It's quite it's quite interesting. And, and I must say, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with you. There's a lot of good points that you've provided for us. Uh, and I think one of my biggest takeaways from this is that it, nothing is too difficult when it comes around finance. You can dream as big as you want. There is somebody out there who's prepared to finance you if you have got everything in place. Absolutely. I, I think that uh, if you are sharing your goals or what you're trying to achieve with your team of advisors or people that are close to you, uh, at least setting those goals and actually looking towards what finance can actually do to achieve some of those, it, it certainly, hey, you're not going to achieve them if you're not actually doing something about them. Chris, it's been absolutely fantastic. You have it. Blah, blah, blah. It's been fantastic <laughs> having you. Bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all those widget and doodahs. It is, right, yeah. <laughs> it's been fantastic having you in the studio today. We really do appreciate it. Um, I love the checklist that you gave small business owners, just a few things that they can take away and start looking at immediately in order to make sure that they're protected in the future too. So really want to thank you on behalf of Sir Paul and myself for coming through. We do appreciate it. No, thank you very much thank for the opportunity. Chris. Anytime and always a pleasure. Thank you. Beautiful.